Insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, I have to think that this is Mike Duffy's theme song tonight. Yes, I'm playing it because Prince passed away today at the age of 57. Later on in the program, we're going to talk to Nancy Slater, music director over at Magic 100, about this untimely passing of a a musical genius, a musical legend. I don't know about you, but Prince just went across all kinds of genres. This is a man that was pop, he was funk, he was R&B, he was rock. I've already recorded my interview with Nancy because her shift is done at 6. But you'll hear it later. She pointed out some of his early stuff was played on rock stations. Well... But 1999, partying like it's 1990, I mean, that that means partying hard. That means partying like, all right, this is it. That's Mike Duffy tonight. Why? Because the old Duff acquitted of all 31 charges. He, he ex- well, he and his lawyer and the judge exceeded my expectations. If you caught the end of the program last night, I talked about my feelings of the Duffy trial. And that I thought that Mike had been unfairly targeted, unfairly persecuted. But my fear was that there were charges, particularly what was referred to as the Donahue charges, that might get him in trouble. And I've, that's been my position for a long time. But I thought that the issue of residency, you know, was, he, was he actually a resident of Prince Edward Island? Were these travel claims valid? I thought... Given the rules in the Senate, no way. Of course, of course he's going to skate on that. You can call me up and later on in the program tell me I'm all wet behind the ears, that I'm wrong on this. But given the rules in the Senate, given the rules as they were written, absolutely. This did not meet the requirement of criminal prosecution. And then on the issue of accepting a bribe, I'm no lawyer, and I do not play one on television. But let me just say that 
if I'm accused of taking a bribe from someone and they name that someone, then I would expect that if the evidence is there, that the someone named in providing the bribe would be charged for offering said bribe. And that never happened. So I never thought that Mike Duffy would be convicted of the bribery allegations. I never thought that he would be convicted on the others. But I thought this whole Donahue business, this could get him in trouble. In the end, 31 charges up against Mike Duffy, and he walked on all of them. This is a man who, love him or hate him, and I, I've been up front with you on where I stand. This is a man who was always good to me. This is a man who was willing to help me when few others were up on the hill. This is a man who would recognize good work when he saw it. Acquitted of all 31. Now, there's all kinds of talk about Prime Minister Stephen Harper being the one that was really convicted in the courthouse today. Prime Minister Harper and the PMO, the boys in short pants. We'll hear from David Aiken. I sat down with David Aiken literally on the steps of the courthouse and recorded an interview just after all of this went down because David and I have both worked with Duff over the years. David in the old CTV bureau when he was there. Uh, Me in the hot room. I used to share the communal office with Duffy and others. So you'll hear from Aiken on his thoughts about all of that. But Donald Bain, his lawyer, has definitely moved up my speed dial list. And I can tell you that others in the scrum waiting for Bain and Duffy to come out where many people said, well, if I get in trouble, I'm, I'm calling Donald Bain. Donald Bain came out rather triumphant from this. Well, I don't want to make it sound like he was gloating. He was not. But he was very clear on what happened in the courthouse today. I think it's exceptionally important what the judge said today because I've I've been at this some 44 years and I don't think I've ever been witness such a resounding acquittal. I mean, there are near misses and close calls. Um, Justice Valancourt made plain uh, this was a resounding not guilty. A resounding not guilty. And that's absolutely the truth. Now, there are some out there, especially in the media party, who had convicted Duffy before this even began, who are just beside themselves. They're beside themselves that any of this was let go. I think there's room to argue on some of this one way or the other, but our criminal justice system says prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone's guilty. And the Crown did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Mike Duffy was guilty of any of the 31 charges against him. None. And so some in the media party are freaking out. But as Donald Bain pointed out, this is a man who repeatedly said, I'm innocent. His story stayed the same. The judge found that his story stayed the same. And all that Duffy wanted was his day in court. This man was begging for a hearing. He got his hearing today before an outstanding judge. And you heard what he had to say. I think that's all I really want to say. And 
Thank you all for your attention. Of course, after saying that's all he wanted to say, Donald Bain continued to take questions from the media until Duffy came out and uh, distracted everyone and everyone chased down the old Duff. But before Duffy came out, Bain was pointed out some things that I've pointed out that many of you in the audience, some of you, some of whom are fans of Mike Duffy and are in his corner and say this was all garbage, and some of whom are saying Duffy should have been convicted of some things, but hey, what about these other senators? That's the point that Bain raised. What about these other senators? Because how many stories have we seen in the last several weeks about senators paying back expenses that were deemed ineligible? Some of whom had expenses that they paid back that were in excess of the 90000 that McDuffie had. Let's hear from Bain one more time. We're sitting here at a time when... I, I think I'm right in saying, uh, and I read it from you folks in the media, that there's $550,000 yet unpaid from a group of senators up there whose situation on the, on the face of it is exactly the same as Mike Duffy's. There's an allegation, and in some cases a finding uh, uh, by the adjudicator, that these were not Senate-related expenses. And they have to be paid back. But Mike Duffy was the only one among them singled out for criminal prosecution. I want to hear your thoughts on all of this later in the program. In the meantime, we're going to be hearing from a lot of people about this, including David Aiken from Sun Media. We hear from Dan Donovan from Ottawa Life Magazine, who had a uh, an interesting piece that was published before the trial on the witch hunt of Mike Duffy. And that's that's fascinating because Dan Donovan... A, a longtime guest on this radio station is a liberal. We'll talk to Dan about that. And later on in the program, yes, we'll take your calls as well when the time comes. But today, Mike Duffy was cleared. He can take up his seat in the Senate at their next sitting. Tomorrow is listed as a possible Senate sitting day, but I do not believe they're sitting. So I don't expect him to be in the red chamber tomorrow. But I do expect him to be back in the red chamber in about two weeks' time. There are limited seats for media. The last time that I I took one of the limited seats, uh, other than a, a general sitting day, it was a lottery system. You can guarantee, I can guarantee you now, there will be a lottery system for journalists wanting to sit in and watch Duffy return to the Senate. One final comment, this being from NDP leader, NDP leader for now, Tom Mulcair. Mulcair didn't want to take a shot at Duffy today. He wanted to take a shot at the entire Senate, which is probably a valid point and probably a point many senators themselves would make, although I I would argue that it has improved over the years. But Mulcair's point was not that Duffy was the problem but that the Senate itself is. The Senate is the problem. It's unaccountable, it's undemocratic, and today doesn't solve any of the problems. Unelected, undemocratic. Sounds a lot like our Supreme Court. Sounds a lot like many of the institutions that now govern us outside of Parliament. But today, in our system, Mike Duffy was found innocent after being convicted in the court of public opinion. 
Kudos to Mike. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. And hopefully we'll hear your voice again soon. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Uh, Happy birthday to Her Majesty the Queen. I like to say I'm a reluctant monarchist. Not because I have any great love for uh, the monarchy, uh, but because I do understand what the British system, particularly the English system, has brought to the world, and that were it not for the monarchy, were it not for Canada being a a constitutional monarchy, if we decided to shed that and let it go, you know what we would end up with? We truly would be the Soviet Socialist Republic of Kanukistan. Absolutely. Speaking of which, Justin Trudeau in New York City today. That's right. He flew down to New York so that he could uh, sign an agreement tomorrow uh, on limiting everyone else's carbon footprint. Not his own, because Trudeau, and I'm going to bring this up tomorrow, Trudeau has been out of the country about a quarter of the time that he has been prime minister. Yeah, that's right. He has been out of the country about a quarter of the time that he's been prime minister. But he went down to uh, to do some boxing. Yep, that's right. He's boxing and doing a photo op so that he can be sexy and, like, appeal to women. Show how athletic he is. Hmm. Uh, he's doing some boxing, but he was also speaking with students at New York University. And he said, you know, I've always been consistent that we have to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels, that that's the future, but it's not tomorrow. How can we make sure that, A... We are being as responsible as possible in how we develop our natural resources, how we extract them, how we uh, export them. And at the same time, how are we are doing everything we can to get beyond fossil fuels, to replace them with renewables? How would you fly to Fogo Island for Easter and Whistler for a weekend of skiing and New York for a boxing photo op and a photo op on climate change? without fossil fuels. You know, I'm just asking. One of the stories that is out there, but hey, there's my spin on it. Let me throw out this other story, and that is on drugged driving, because yesterday, of course, you kept hearing about 420. You kept hearing about how uh, we're going to end up with uh, pot being legalized a year from now, yada, yada, yada. Well, okay, fine. That means we're going to have stoned people getting behind the wheel. We have breathalyzers for people that have drunk, uh, consumed alcohol. But what about someone that has smoked up? Well, it turns out the RCMP is testing three different roadside screening devices by checking saliva for the pre- uh, presence of drugs such as marijuana. Uh, Doug Bareness is the vice chairman of the Canadian Society of Forensic Sciences and says the Mounties and the Ontario government have funded this research and it needs to come into play before Canada legalizes pot. The oral fluid screening would work in the same way as an alcohol screening device in that the police officer who suspects you might have been using drugs says, okay, 
stick this in your mouth for a couple of minutes. We test it. Comes back positive. He says, aha, you're going downtown. All right. So the devices would it'd be similar to breathalyzers, but not exactly the same. Uh, just before we go to news break, I, I, I want to give a shout out to Anthony DeMonte, who's the uh, the head of the Ottawa Paramedic Services, Chief An- uh, DeMonte, on Twitter just moments ago tweeted out, from all members of the Ottawa Paramedic, happy 90th birthday to Her Majesty the Queen. And it includes a picture of Queen Elizabeth, the most famous ambulance driver of all time, a photo of Queen Elizabeth in her military uniform in the Second World War. Good on you, sir. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. More when we come back. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Little Scooby Snacks from at Scooby down at CTV Ottawa. Uh, Let me say this. Uh, But before we get into Duffy, let me just say, coming up later in the program, we will talk about Prince with with the music director of Magic 100. We're going to be talking with Lisa Thompson, conservative MPP from uh, uh, the Barrie or Collingwood area. I'm trying to remember. She's up towards Lake Huron. On the issue of the cap-and-trade bill, but there's going to be a lot of Duffy coverage tonight because this has been huge. Now, David Aiken, my old colleague at Sun Media, spent the day five hours listening to Judge Viancourt read out his ruling. I grabbed David at the end of that marathon session and we literally sat down on the courthouse steps and had a chat about what it all meant. So, David, I was not shocked at the fact that Mike Duffy got off on the um, on the on the residency and the travel. To me, that that always looked like it was uh, the rules were so vague, so wide open, especially on residency. And we've seen senators for years. I pointed out last night on the radio, Joyce Fairbairn, like Duffy, moved to Ottawa in the 1960s, hadn't moved back to Alberta in that time yet. She was a senator from Alberta. There was so much precedent that I couldn't see him being convicted. Were you surprised he got off on all 31 counts? Yes, on all 31 counts, and I agree with you. The living expenses, the travel claims, there were 20 charges on those alone. Uh, I thought that he was going to beat them all because you're right, the uh, rules were a bit confusing. There was a group, though, of eight charges that we called the Donahue charges that everybody, me, legal experts, all thought that Duffy was going to face some peril on because... I'll give you an example from the judge's own words. On all the living and travel expenses, the judge was quite approving of Duffy, saying Duffy sought out authorities. He sought out experts, including the prime minister. Is this what I should do? I was following you in there. So So he sought out experts, and experts said, Duffy, do this. And he followed their advice. Not only that, all the claims he filed were above board. He wasn't trying to hide anything, never padded any accounts. So he, he, he sought out expert advice, and he never tried to hide anything. On the Do- Donahue contracts, he sought out advice. Can I charge makeup? No, you can't. Uh, and yet he did not take the advice. And then he tried to hide the payment through this third party, his buddy Gerald Donahue. But the judge said basically... You know what? That doesn't amount to a hill of beans. I don't care. I know yeah, it's technically it might have broke, done something the, wrong. The makeup but it's expense. Not criminal. The emergency makeup, makeup. This is the quote. The quote Judge actually used. Emergency makeup is not a criminal issue. It's $300 at the end yeah. of the day. 
Is that well, worth ruining somebody's life over? Uh, uh, the, the judge doesn't think so. But here's the thing. What, what was that makeup expense even for? It, it was because Harper and, and, and Duffy were doing one of these faux interviews ahead of a G20 event or to promote the G20. Right, event. right, right, right. And, you know, he, he wanted to make sure Harper looked good. But, of course, Duffy's got a lot of skin to cover, you know, the big head there. And he needs his makeup done. But go back to the very first thing the judge said. And the judge started talking at 10 o'clock, and he didn't finish till what? 3.30 in the afternoon. Yep. So it was a long day. First thing he said at 10 o'clock was he was confronted with two opposing views from the defense or from the prosecution, from the Crown. Common sense, common sense, common sense. And from the defense, Donald Bain, Duffy's lawyer, rules, 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 or in some cases, lack of rules. And what was on the ground bleeding and dead at the end of the day? Common sense. Okay, but David, this is not a court of common sense. No, this, this is, is a, a court of law. This is a court of law. On, Duffy gets out on law. His lawyer, uh, right after the whole trial, comes out and tells a reporter a resounding acquittal. That's what he used the well, word. And it, it is and thirty-one it is. and zero. It's yeah, resounding. If, if I went thirty-one and zero, I'd feel pretty good. But it's it's a resounding acquittal if you're a legalist. If you're into common sense. Duffy abused our goodwill, if you ask me. I'll give you a good example. His child, one of his children, is, expe is expecting to give birth, and Duffy's going to be a granddad. They live in Vancouver, mm -hmm. and Duffy books travel to Vancouver that he knows you and I are going to pay for, and then, a couple of weeks later, finds the public business excuse that means he can justify payment. You know what that public excuse was? It was lunch with a conservative MP at a yacht club in Vancouver. So we paid a guy, you and me the taxpayer, paid a guy to fly all the way to Vancouver to have lunch at the yacht club. And that was okay. The judge said, hey, it's public business. And, you know, it, the, the rules say any public the, business the, is public business, so go ahead. Sure, it's legal. But is it right, Brian, in your heart of hearts? Is it right? No way. It, it, but it, is it a criminal fence? That's another matter. It, can you tell we're outside the courthouse, right. fire trucks going by? And, and that's the difference. Is it something that someone should be in a little bit of hot water over? Or is it something someone should be facing criminal prosecution, the ruin of their career, their loss of income? There, and Mike a, has already faced that. There's, there's a big difference. We could have had some convictions, one conviction, in order to send a message that this kind of behavior is not to be tolerated in our senators. That's what a, a conviction on one or a couple of, quote, minor charges would have said. A conviction, you got a conviction. Right. Now, but, then but, we go to sentencing, and we can say, suspend the sentence, or some other oh, way of reducing it. But, yeah, but, but there's the, no message sent here by the judge. It's like, carry okay, on, senators, but, do whatever the heck you want. Let me play devil's advocate. And I know this divides the audience. I know it always does. But we've just had the last senator... Uh, repay expenses, last sitting senator. And how many senators were found to have expenses? No, Colin, can, can he pay his stuff back? Did that happen? I, I, think it, I think he did. Did he do all? Okay. I, I, I believe the last day, senator know, but... repaid their expenses, $26,000. Right. Right. But, you know, there were many senators with expenses deemed inappropriate, well above Duffy's 90000 None of them faced criminal prosecution. It was, well, all, all right. Not yet. Why don't you pay back? Come on. Yeah, but not yet, because we still... We, we, there may still be some RCMP looking into things, but I agree with you. Here's one thing. Let's talk about the... To, the, to me, there was a bit of schadenfreude on the part of the media here. There, were, there was a settling of scores from some people that, that had it out for Mike, uh, along with a, a, a government that decided to throw him under the bus. So it was a perfect storm for Duffy, combined with the fact that, uh, yeah, the rules might have been uh, a little loose, and Duffy's, everybody was doing it. Duffy's big triumph here will be over. Harper and the, quote, boys in short pants. 
you'll get a chance to read the ruling if you're listening to this and go online and read it. And it's the back end where the judge talks about uh, how shocked he was about how the PMO was so controlling and so vicious and ruthless in the way it was manipulating people. If you ask me, the judge is a little naive. What's been doing for 10 years? Those stories were all out there. But nonetheless, here's what the judge actually said on the bribery charge. And there were three charges around the whole $90,000 check that Nigel Wright wrote mm-hmm. to Mike Duffy so that Mike could then pay off these expenses and make everything go away. And you'll remember it was Duffy's contention all along during his last speech in the Senate. Duffy said, I'm a victim. With this check that was given to me, I'm a victim of getting this check of a, quote, monstrous conspiracy by the PMO. And you know what, Brian? The judge absolutely agreed 100% with Duffy's view. Here's the quote from the judge. The judge said Duffy's, quote, free will was overwhelmed and he capitulated. In other words, all right, all right, I'll take the ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, he, again, he, that might be the legal standard, but does that does that pass your smell test in my household? It what, what, no way. What didn't smell pass my smell test was when Mike Duffy was charged with taking a bribe, but Nigel Wright was not charged, charged with giving the with bribe. giving one. How, how, how does, does that, that work? It, that that doesn't work at all. There was a lot of bizarre things going on here. At the end of the day, what do we walk away with uh, from this, other than a highly political trial? that, uh, it, in my view, helped bring down a government and, uh, and destroy a, a, a man's uh, reputation who's going back into the Senate now. He's going back into the Senate. And, of course, the Senate is much changed in that there's no official liberal caucus uh, associated with the prime minister. Uh, there's a whole bunch of independent senators. There's still a conservative caucus. I'm guessing Mike Duffy is not going to want to sit with the Conservative caucus, even if they invited him. So he may be sitting with some Liberals or Independents or who knows what, but he's still a Senator. He's got all his paperwork in order. The Senate, uh, I think, was sitting today. He could have literally walked up Elgin Street and right back into his seat. It's not sitting now, I think, for a couple of weeks. But I can't wait to be in the Senate chamber when he takes his seat again and gives... Uh, we all thought he'd done his last speech, that, that whole monstrous conspiracy speech. We thought that was the last we'd see a Duffy in the Senate. He's coming back. Well, I, I'm like you. I thought that he was going to get into trouble on the Donahue charges. And uh, and he's walked away from everything. Uh, when Donald Bain stood in the 130S news conference room on yeah. Parliament Hill and said he's going to walk on everything, I thought that was crazy and, and thought that well, th- there'd be some trouble. But I'll, I'll be with you. I have not sat in on a Senate sitting in quite some time, but I'll be with you the day that Duffy shows up again. Last point I'd make on this, too, is you know Mike because we, I know Mike. Everybody, every journalist on the Hill knows Mike. We worked with him as a journalist. Yeah. We've, we've listened to his, his yarns, his stories, his anecdotes, his jokes, and sometimes we've rolled our eyes wondering if he's stretching things a bit. So, in other words, how would you or me or a journalist, a colleague, treat Mike Duffy's credibility? I don't know. We all kind of maybe stretch a story. But the judge went out of his way to essentially say, I found Mike Duffy to be credible, reliable, a hardworking senator, a model senator even, <laughs> just like Stephen Harper wrote on that <laughs> I thing. Was You're say, the hardest working he, appointment I know of. He, he quoted the prime minister yeah. on that, or the for, now former out, prime minister. We all had it wrong, I guess. Anybody who was talking Duffy down, hard worker, loyal, tells the truth, credible. Who? Why were you picking on him? Well, I, I, I've said from the beginning I thought he was getting a raw deal on most of this, and turns out he, the judge says he was getting a raw deal on all of and it, he David. he said so in those emails. Remember the email back yep. and forth where he said, I'm going to get hung. I didn't do anything, and, and you're, you're throwing me under the bus. David, great talking to you as always. Thanks, Brian.
You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. All right. Lots of you emailing in about Mike Duffy. We'll get to some of your emails in a little bit. So far, Chris, Carolyn, Mark, George, Jay, Owen. So many people emailing in about Mike Duffy. I'm going to have to spend some time reading some of these off. And then, of course, 9 o'clock, top of the third hour, we will open up the phone lines to your calls. Uh, Coming up at the top of the next hour, about 10, 15 minutes from now, Dan Donovan from Ottawa Life magazine. Longtime liberal, but has long had problems with what was going on with Mike Duffy. Wrote about it before the trial even happened. He's reposting it now. We'll get into some of that in a little bit. And uh, and then bottom of, uh, of the next hour, we've got uh, Lisa Thompson coming in and Nancy Slater from Magic 100 on Prince. Lisa Thompson is an MPP in the Progressive Conservative Party. You won't believe... Th- the liberals have this cap-and-trade bill. I mean, I disagree with the conservatives. I disagree with the PCs on the idea that we need to have cap-and-trade and we need to have a revenue-neutral uh, price on carbon. But you won't believe what the PCs are doing to their own bill, the number of amendments they have, and then how they're trying to shut down debate on it. We'll get into all of that shortly. But right now, I want to bring you a very good news, very local story. And it's about a man that's well-known in this building, well-known to you. He is the morning show host over at Magic 100. He's also the voice, the PA announcer for the Ottawa Senators out at the Canadian Tire Centre. I'm talking to stuntman Stu. And on family day, February 15th, Stu announced that he was fighting cancer. He had leukemia, and he was going to battle it. Well, he has not only uh, shown people about having a cheery disposition about it. He's not only raised a lot of funds, he's also got some good news today for himself earlier today on the phone, on these airwaves with Evan Solomon. There is good news. We don't have to wait for stuntman Stu Schwartz, of course, host of Magic 100, voice of the Sens. Good news about a bone marrow transplant, and stuntman Stu joins us now, and what a news day. And what a good news day, Stu. Great to have you back on the program. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Uh, unbelievable news. Uh, uh, selfishly on my end, they have found a donor. They have found. So tell us about that. You've been waiting for a bone marrow transplant donor. Talk about that. So uh, February 15th, I went in. I had over 90% uh, cancer in my body. I went into remission uh, when we we spoke a couple of weeks ago. And then the next process was to get me a uh, a donor for a bone marrow transplant and at that time, I didn't know where in the world that donor was. And then I found out today that uh, we do, in fact, have a donor. Uh, legally, I'm not allowed to know who that donor is for up to a year. Uh, that's just the, the, the system that they have set up in place, and, and I respect that. But it is somebody in the world who has uh, been on the registry, I guess, and I will be receiving their, uh, their healthy bone marrow. And in a couple of weeks, early May, is when we have the transplant. And then I have uh, all summer to, to recover and, and, and have that person's bone marrow Amazing. Uh, interact with my body. I, I'm talking to Stuntman Stu. Just talk about that process. So, so what is it 
just walk us through, and, and obviously we're, you're learning about this, what does a bone marrow transplant entail in terms of the surgery and the recovery, Stu? Well, th- th- that's the thing. There is no surgery. It's, uh, you know, when we talk about transplants, you know, you think of a lung transplant or a liver transplant. With a bone marrow transplant, it's different. It's, it's as the doctors described to me, it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not uh, you know, an organ. It's a transplant of your fluids, basically. So what will happen to my body is all outpatient, so I will get some forms of radiation. They will basically zap my immune system down to nothing, and they are going to, uh, I'm not going to say drain all my fluids. I mean, that kind of sounds morbid, but it's kind of like that where you go in through, as, as I'm learning, with some, you get some radiation done to your body, they get your body down, your immune system, like I said, down to nothing. And then with zero cancer in your body, they're now taking somebody else's healthy bone marrow, which is a, basically a bag of blood. It takes about a half an hour of the procedure, and it goes, it goes into you just like it would a regular transfusion. And then it goes into your body, and then this new bone marrow interacts with your body and then interacts with your uh, bone marrow and says, oh, oh, you're the bone marrow factory. Oh, we're, we're the new kid in town. Let's make nice and let's, let's uh, you know, make healthy bone marrow together. <laughs> and then the hope is, is that everybody gets along and all the organs and everybody plays nice, and then you're on, a, you know, anti-rejection meds for a number of months. But the whole process is, is fascinating to me, and I'm going through it. Well, it is a fascinating process. The most important part of it, and as we speak with Stuntman Stu, is your health. And and to whoever is the donor, an anonymous donor, Stu, I, I can only imagine the gratitude you have. Extraordinary. Uh, you'll not, you don't know who it is. You can't know. But I, I know your gratitude is, an, is immense, life-saving. And to you, Stu, this is what a journey. And now you head into the final lap of hopefully recovery and, and back to back to a life without having to be in the hospital all the time. Yeah, and, and I love, listen, the Ottawa Hospital has been nothing short of amazing throughout this whole process, uh, especially the uh, leukemia and stem cell uh, part that I've had to deal with and the transplant team. Uh, but I, I just, I'm so tired of going there. <laughs> Not because of anything they've done wrong. It's just because you, you just, you start, it starts to become your part of your daily routine or your weekly routine. And you just wish that it wasn't part of your routine. You just want to get back to work. I want to get back to work on magic. I want to get back to emceeing in events and standing on stage and extracting money out of people at, a, at golf tournaments, you know, when they, when they, everybody has crocodile arms, they don't want to spend any money in a live auction. That's really what I want to get back to. So, uh, you know, this, this process, uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel it's it's not an easy process to go through. I'm, I'm not kidding myself. I, the doctors have been very yeah. honest with me, telling me, listen, it's going to get a little harder, uh, but there is the light at the end of the tunnel. And quickly, Evan, to your point about who has done this. When, when the year is up and I can legally find out who that person is, I don't care where in the world that person is. I am going to travel to that person. For all I know, they're in our backyard. They may be halfway around the world, but that person is going to get the biggest hug from me uh, and will be an extended member of my family. Stuntman Stu, Stu Schwartz, uh, you couldn't have said it better. Life-saving to someone who has uh, donated 
bone marrow and and hashtag stew strong. You're gonna need that strength coming up, my friend. And yes, sir. and and to you and your family, you know the city's thinking about you, and it's been a, a inspirational journey. And the good news is. Uh, you got a donor, so uh, we'll follow along, and, and, and you've been extraordinary sharing this experience with all of us, so thanks, Stu. Thank you, Evan. Stuntman Stu Schwartz, Magic 100 host, and and just one of those great, great inspirational stories in, in our city. All right, Stu Strong, indeed. Do you have your Stu uh, Strong t-shirt yet? You can get them from Unsung Heroes. It's a great Ottawa company. They make t-shirts for uh, for some great local companies as well. Worth checking out, worth ordering, and supporting a great cause. And that's what I loved about Stu talking there. He wants to get back uh, to extracting money from those of us with crocodile arms at uh, live auctions at golf tournaments and stuff. I'm not saying I ever have crocodile arms. I never call it that. Uh, what do we call them? Um, uh, we, we mock my brother for this all the time. It's a very Scottish term. I'll try and remember it in the break. Uh, when we come back, Dan Donovan from Ottawa Life Magazine will uh, take some time and join us with his thoughts on the Duffy trial. In the meantime, you want to check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. My thoughts on why the liberals won't call the mass killing of Christians by ISIS a genocide. It's up there now. Check it out. Be Lil, Beyond the News, back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. I'm having a good laugh. Um, there's a guy named Jake Owen. He's a big country star. And on his Twitter page right now, Jake Owen, like within the last 20 minutes, tweeted out, I've had to pee for an hour, but the guy next to me in his seat is sleeping like a baby and his tray table is out. He does have a cup on it and then a little emoji. And Jake Owen is a, a big country star. He's making a lot of money. And yet here he is talking about something any of us that fly coach, and it sounds like he's flying coach, can relate to. And that is the guy next to you is sleeping and you got to go to the can. It's kind of a reminder that we're all just people at the end of the day. We're all the same. And we want the same things. And that includes having a fair day in court. Mike Duffy is a man who was in our living rooms for decades. He is a man who had an esteemed broadcasting career before being appointed to the Senate. And, but because of his celebrity status, I think that's a big chunk of why he was hung and drawn and quartered even before he got to court. Well, Dan Donovan, writing in Ottawa Life magazine, you can find this piece at ottawalife.com, published this back in the spring. He said, he wrote, The Mike Duffy trial is a showcase for all the secrets and lies that are the real politic of the Capitol. Duffy has already been tried and convicted in the public eye. For theater, he was first drawn and quartered by Canada's national media in which uh, in what can only be described as a 21st century lynching. I worked for many years on Parliament Hill as a speechwriter, legislative assistant, and political staffer. The place has its own rules and, more importantly, its own governing conventions. The parliamentary press can be self-involved in pretty sanctimonious bunch. Duffy's trial at the Ottawa Courthouse is having the effect of bringing out the real story about his expenses while exposing the shallow and callousness of the parliamentary press and the elitism of the pundit class at Canada's major broadcasters. Dan Donovan joins me on the line now, of course, the uh, 
the the man behind Ottawa Life magazine. I, I, I invite you to go to OttawaLife.com and read the whole piece. Well worth it. But, Dan, thanks for taking the time. Let's make something clear. Mike Duffy was appointed a conservative senator. All the people that you work for on the Hill were liberals, and I've teased you on the air before about being sure, a, sure. a liberal, and yet here you are defending the old Duff. Why? Yep. Well, you know, I, I think that it's really important uh, in politics and in life to uh, to be respectful and uh, and to, you know, how you carry yourself is very important. And one of the things that a lot of people on the Hill knew Mike Duffy. I knew Mike Duffy when I was a staffer on the Hill for the Liberals, both in opposition and in government. And everybody knew Mike Duffy. And as you, as you've mentioned, and people will recall, Mike Duffy had a stellar broadcasting and journalism career for 40 years. And he was, he was the most popular political reporter and broadcaster in the country. He was in huge demand. And everybody liked Mike Duffy on the Hill. Everybody. All of the staffers, he was one of those well, types of I, I always liked him. It turns out an awful lot of people had grudges to bear, and I think that's part of what happened. Well, I think when he became a conservative senator, um, I think, you know, he, he sort of, Mike, you know, became a little partisan on, uh, as a conservative senator. But, you know, par- politics is, is not a, it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a contact game. So that goes with, with the territory. But what I found shameful about all of this is I was watching this unfold and a a number of things really bothered me. The first thing that bothered me were the facts. There weren't any. There was a lot of conjecture. There was a lot of media spin. And I'm in media. I mean, I published the City's Magazine. I I know where a lot of the bodies are in Ottawa and the political press and all of that and the hypocrisy of them and the the shallowness of a lot of them and the the, the lack of knowledge or government of corporate knowledge and the, you know, it's that old line, line, you know, you can't account for stupid, some of the things they say. So when Duffy was uh, when this all started coming out, I was looking at it and, and knowing from my days on the Hill uh, as a political staffer, watching the budgets and, and watching how expenses work and doing my own expenses for members of parliament and ministers, I thought, this doesn't make sense. He, and none, none of the thing, and this is the thing that the, none of these things, this was a key thing the judge said today. He did not do anything to enrich himself. You know, Mike Duffy was the penultimate political person when he became both in media and on the Hill. And everything he did he, was for politics. He would go to these events and he would speak to veterans and he'd speak to this volunteer group and that volunteer group. And do you know what? In the Senate rules, you're allowed to bill for that. And uh, so when this whole issue came up about expenses, Mike Duffy went to the PMO and said, look, there's an issue here about this. I want to I want to go through this and find out what the issue is and what the problem is. And even if you look at the documents, he would always say they, they would say in the documents on the residency thing, for example, you know, they would say, was that your primary residence? This is all question about where he mm-hmm. lived in PEI on Mike Duffy's documents. If you looked at what came out in court, he would say things like, my Prince, he wouldn't call it his primary residence. He would say my Prince Edward Island residence or my Ottawa residence. He was very specific. And as the judge said, he asked questions about this. So, so the whole point is the, the public can, may not agree with how the rules work up there or, or what, the, what the tradition was, but it, that's the way it worked on the Hill. The most interesting and I think the key part of the trial is on page 80 of the judgment. And it's when the judge talks about um, of another political staffer named Diane Scarf. 
Diane Scarf testified for the Crown, and Diane Scarf worked on Parliament Hill for 42 years. I, I, in the, in, in, I know Diane. She's worked for MPs. She's worked for senators. I believe she's worked for both. prime ministers, di- right, both parties. I, I think she's, yeah, she's worked for liberals and conservatives. Yeah, and, and, and prime ministers, cabinet ministers, MPs. And she, you know, the judge, they asked her, the Crown brought her up because I think they thought that that she would be a good person to bring up because she thought that her testimony would somehow damage what Duffy was saying all along. And in fact, what it did is it completely reinforced what Duffy said was, this is how it worked up there. You pre-sign your travel forms. Everyone did it. It was just the way the administration was done up there. And, and you know, she, she also said that Mike Duffy, of all the people she worked for on the Hill, was in more demand than anyone and got more calls than anyone she ever knew. And she was just very credible. And it just the, – the more she testified uh, – actually, they, they moved her out of testifying. Uh, I think she had a very short period <laughs> in the chair because she was damaging their own – they brought her up to help, and she was damaging their own case. Uh, the, there, so, there were plenty of times when I was watching what the Crown was bringing forward and thinking, um, is this really what you want to do if you want a conviction? They They did not seem to have a case. To me, a lot of this was all politically motivated – from the beginning, and then I guess they got caught up in it and felt like they had to do something. There was so much political heat, and boom, charges. Well, you know what's interesting, and I think my take on this, Brian, it's, it's interesting because you, you obviously have a popular radio show, and you know, you and I have had discussions over many interviews and so forth, um, and I've appeared on shows with you, and we, we can agree to disagree on issues and other things, but I think that we're both in media, and I think the question I'm asking tonight, and I'd, I'd like your listeners and everyone to reflect on, is there the, there has to be some accountability here for the press in this country and the parliamentary press gallery and some of the what I call the elites here on the, and the big broadcasters who pilloried Mike Duffy. Some of the things, some of the frontline reporters on the on the big stations in this country said about Mike Duffy and the way they position this in the meeting, it was disgraceful. It was shameful. Never in Canadian history has one person been so shamed and he's off on all 31 charges tonight. Yeah. And which even the country, surprised me. I thought that he would be uh, in trouble on some of the Donahue uh, issues. Well, the judge really clearly said that he that he had done nothing wrong on those issues, and mm-hmm. and, and and in fact, I think that the key thing in the in the whole document was that at no point he said that Duffy was a very credible person, that he had not enriched himself, and that everything he did seemed to you know to to fall in line with his his constituency work or his work as a senator to move forward issues. And and within the tradition and boundaries of what all other senators had done. So my my plea right now is, and the thing that I'm trying to get people to think about, is I really think it's important for journalists in this country. This is a shameful, shameful chapter, in my opinion, and has done incredible damage to journalism in Canada. Because the editors that ran with this stuff without going and checking the facts, you know, Donald Bain brought all these things out in court. We've got a whole parliamentary press gallery up sitting on our butts on Parliament Hill. There's a parliamentary library they can access and a whole lot of other resources on the Hill. They didn't go and do their homework. They didn't check into the no. traditions. They didn't check into the a lot of this stuff 
was articles written and then just respun by other journalists. Now, there were some, not everybody, but some like you and others checked further into things. But it's a shameful moment. I, I, I just keep like pointing out, and it's not to pick on Joyce Fairbairn, who could not defend herself now, but she's like Duffy, moved to Ottawa in the late 60s. She became a political staffer. Then she was appointed to the Senate. She was appointed for Alberta in 1984, when was the last time she'd lived in Alberta? She never moved back, it, it, you know, and, and you can go through all the different types of people that have done that over the years. None of them got raked over the coals except Mike Duffy. And, well, the and, rule and, in the Senate, as you know, the rule in the Senate, as you know, Brian, is you have to own $4,000 in property. And, you ha- you know, and, and when he was the, – the, the ludicrous part about this is when – the prime minister at the time named Duffy to the Senate. He named him from PEI. Everybody knew that Mike, Mike Duffy had lived in Ottawa, but that he had gone back to PEI to his place in the summer. And it was the big joke on Parliament Hill, oh, Duff, the Duffy, he's from PEI. But, it, but it's very disingenuous to suggest when a problem arises that this, this whole idea, and this is where I go back to the issue about editors at newspapers and the mind-boggling, vacuous nature of some of the editors that are in our media here, who that's a very simple thing to check. But they didn't check it. They just went along with this line that, well, he's not from PEI, he's from Ottawa. And how, how dare he be appointed from PEI? All they right. didn't do their homework. Uh, Dan Donovan is uh, the editor-in-chief at uh, Ottawa Life magazine. Check out his piece at ottawalife.com about OLM argued the case for Mike Duffy back in May. Dan, thanks for the time. I got Solomon Friedman waiting up next, defense lawyer, to explain the whole issue about innocent until proven guilty. Thanks for your time, Dan. Great show, Brian. Thanks. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News. Solomon Friedman, up next. Back in moments. hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Okay, I just got emailed this by a friend, so I have to read it out before I get to Solomon Friedman. Justin Trudeau flew from Ottawa to New York to go sign a climate change agreement. This weekend, he's flying to Kananaskis country out in, in Alberta to hold a retreat with his cabinet, and he's going to meet with Rachel Notley. Nothing says... Lower your carbon footprint like flying coast to coast to coast and all over the country and all over the place all the freaking time. What the hell? Uh, Solomon Friedman joins me now, defense lawyer, friend of this program. And Solomon, I I have said on the air, if I get in trouble, I'm calling you. But I don't know. After today, Donald Bain getting Mike Duffy off of everything. He's he's moving up the list. That was quite something. Yeah, Donald Bain's not moving up the list. He's at the top of the list, and he's uh, he's been there for a very long time. This is... uh... You know, an immaculately prepared advocate who did a a really superb job here. Now, you and I have talked before about innocent until proven guilty. And I think that too often in our system, and we saw it with the uh, Gian Gameshi trial, people want to convict in the court of public opinion. Do you think that this is another warning sign of, hey, hold on a minute. Hold your judgment until you've heard the facts. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, um, I have to say this. 
Um, I was surprised by the verdict in the sense that I thought that there was enough wrongdoing, um, at least on the quote-unquote slush fund contracts, uh, to potentially prove a criminal intent. So Let, Let's I call them say, the Donahue charges and stay safe. Sure, yeah. Well, well, the judge said they weren't a slush fund. The Justice mm-hmm. Allen Court found they were not a slush fund. Uh, he disagreed with the Crown on that. I mean, on uh, most things, it seems. But he, he definitely uh, disagreed with that. But um, when it came to all of the charges, you know, I have been saying from the beginning, and this is something that, you know, people need to be educated on. We have a very high standard of proof in the criminal court. That is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, I, I always say, as, as we've been instructed to tell juries for a very long time in the English common law, if you believe the accused is probably guilty, you must acquit. Probably is nowhere near close enough. But we had essentially a public lynching when it came to Mike Duffy before he ever set foot in a courtroom because the public does not understand, and this is a misunderstanding that has been galvanized by the media, uh, that proof beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard in, in our criminal courts. And they act all shocked when a trial judge like Justice Valancourt applies it to the letter. Have you argued before uh, Justice Valancourt before? I, I have. In fact, enough, and this was profiled in, in McLean magazine, because I'd been commenting uh, on, on various programs on, on the Mike Duffy trial. During a break in the Mike Duffy case, Justice Valancourt was looking for work, like any hard, hardworking trial judge, that can we assist with other courts? And my matter was brought before him. Um, and he lived up to his reputation as an eminently fair, fair judge. And I hear that from my colleagues all the time. He's a judge who understands uh, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, understands the burdens in the legal system. I certainly have found that uh, myself to be the case. Okay, and let me bring this back to maybe an area where people can relate personally. A lot of people might be outraged and saying, why wasn't Mike Duffy found guilty? But if you're the one up on charges, don't you want to be to, to have the burden be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? And And especially when we're talking about the criminal system where criminal consequences are in play. If, if the question here was, should Mike Duffy pay back money to the government? Well, Mike Duffy probably should, as should many other senators. He, he's the, the question. only one that's been brought to court so far. It, it, absolutely. And because the question was, when it comes to the criminal charge, it's, can the Crown prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he had dishonest intent? And they couldn't. In fact, they fell far short. What was astounding to many was that over and over again, the trial judge reminded everybody of two things. Number one, Mike Duffy was a generally credible witness. Number two, the Crown failed to challenge him in cross-examination on many, many, many of his claims. And I think that was one of, you know, sort of the, the, the brilliant aspects of the strategy of him testifying was that the Crown simply gave up after a while in terms of cross-examining him on the minute details that he testified about. And in order to call someone a liar and in order to have their testimony disbelieved, well, they have to be challenged on it. They have to be challenged on it with admissible evidence. We didn't see that there. And, you know, this is, this is the case whether the person is liberal, conservative, or NDP, if they ever get to appoint senators, fingers crossed. Um, we want everybody who comes before the court of law to enjoy the per- presumption of innocence and to not have that displaced until admissible evidence convinces a judge or a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. That didn't happen here. That, that's a good day for our court system. All right, Solomon, great talking to you. And uh, you're still on my speed dial list. Don't worry. I, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure I can afford Donald Bain. Thanks for the uh, time tonight. My pleasure. Solomon Friedman, defense lawyer here in the nation's capital. We're back in moments. We're going to be speaking with conservative MPP Lisa Thompson on what's going on with the cap-and-trade bill and a little bit of Prince. 
passed away today. And then your phone calls. Below, beyond the news. Beyond the news with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now, with more than 70 liberal amendments before the committee, it's clear the government is rewriting its own bill on the fly. So, Speaker, it's time for the Premier to explain why her signature piece of legislation is such a mess. And the answer is because they don't actually support carbon pricing or climate change, Mr. Speaker, because the two amendments they introduced, Mr. Speaker, would delink us from California and Quebec. Well, that was Conservative MPP Lisa Thompson in the House earlier this week asking the government about their cap-and-trade bill, their attempt to put a price on carbon. You heard a bit of a, let's be blunt, a BS answer from Glenn Murray, the Environment Minister, on this. Uh, Lisa Thompson joins me now from Queen's Park. Ms. Thompson, I want to ask you about this bill. Now, we can get into, uh, in a little bit, I know that you'll tell me you want a revenue-neutral uh price on carbon, and we can get into that. But this is the government's bill that's being debated at the House right now. And they've put in 70 different amendments to their own bill. That's correct, Brian. And, you know, it's a it's a stunning moment in history, because what we're seeing this liberal government do is rush through and introduce a shoddy piece of legislation, which is going to set up one of the largest taxation schemes in the history of this province. And as you said, the Liberals have brought forward more than 70 amendments. They're essentially writing their own bill on the fly right in committee. Now, I've been covering politics, federal, municipal, provincial, a long time. I don't remember a government introducing 70 different uh, amendments to their own bill. This tells me that the bill is inherently flawed, not a little bit, but a lot. Because, I mean, the point of committee work is to find flaws in legislation and make amendments. But for the government to put in 70 of their own tells me that it's going to look like Frankenstein's monster by the time it gets out of committee. It's stunning. It actually is. And the fact of the matter is they're actually withdrawing. They're deleting entire sections of the bill. And so it's a complete rewrite. And I feel it's very important that in terms of my due diligence and quite frankly, Ontarians expect it, for us to be very thorough and reviewing every amendment that they put forward. And, you know, when we've asked questions, Brian, they, and uh, they couldn't answer, we've actually asked the legal counsel to come forward to uh, clarify, and the fact of the matter is they've even muzzled their own government officials. On uh, more than two occasions, the Liberals would not allow their their legal counsel to come to the table to explain, so we had to defer to the legislative counsel. It's just amazing how they're trying to rush this through and essentially strong-arm or bully the opposition into rubber stamping, again, one of the most shoddy pieces of legislation I've ever seen that will result in nothing but an increase in price of everything. Uh, what, what is the estimate that you put on what this will cost the average Ontarian, not taxpayer, because this, is, this isn't going to increase our income taxes. This is going to increase the price on everything. So what's it going to cost us in terms of higher prices? 
Well, to start with, long-term estimates show that Ontarians will have to pay nearly $900 more every year for gas and home heating alone. That's over and above the increases of electricity that we're seeing almost on a quarterly basis. It's completely getting out of hand, Brian. And do you know so what this is? So $900? Yes. It's, is that for uh, every man, woman, and child, or is that a household? It's, well, it's for per household in terms of home heating, mm-hmm. but for every car owner, we're looking at at least $400 more per year in the increase of fuel alone. And this is all coming onto the shoulders of Ontarians because we have a cash-strapped government and they're looking to do nothing but fund their, their, their black hole, so to speak. Okay. Now, your leader, Patrick Brown, has called for a revenue-neutral carbon tax. Uh, he's already heard from me. Uh, I don't think it's needed. Uh, I, don't, I think that the majority of Ontarians don't think it's needed, but at least when you guys are talking about one, you are talking about revenue neutral. This is going to be a cash grab for the province. Is there anything in there that says they will roll back uh, taxes elsewhere to offset? I mean, because that's always the sale on a carbon tax is, well, let us increase the price of everything and, and we'll cut your income tax. Does this bill do that? The quick answer to that is no. The Ontario, the only thing the Ontario taxpayer is going to get is an increase in cost of living in this province under this Liberal government. And uh, it is, again, because they need to fund their slush fund that will go towards some of their goals that they need to achieve because they misspend in other areas. All right, so... What are what are the Conservatives doing? What are, what are the PCs doing to, to try and change? Is the NDP on board? Before we get into that, is the NDP on board with such a uh, flawed piece of legislation? Do you know what? Just today, when the motion came forward uh, in the House of, with regards to a time allocation of committee, the NDP stood beside us in opposing the Liberals shutting down democracy in committee. They, they stood with us and said, we do not agree with this time allocation because this government is rushing through, again, the most shoddiest piece of, piece of legislation ever seen. And it was nice to see the opposition stand together today on that, that exact issue. Uh, well, that, that is good. Now, uh, why, why do the Liberals want to rush this through? I mean, if I remember back to what the promise was when all this got going about reducing carbon, the promise was 6% below 1990 levels. That was the Kyoto Protocol promise. Ontario is beyond that already, uh, well, but they want to do even more. So wh- why the rush? Why not, if you believe in this, and, and, and I obviously don't, but if you believe in this, why not slow down and get it right? Why are they rushing? Brian, the fact of the matter is they're cash-strapped. They're looking for It's all about to- cash? It's all about the cash. They're looking and rubbing their hands together, uh, anticipating that $1.9 billion that's going to be generated all on the backs of Ontarians. And I would like to remind your listeners that Kathleen Wynne has actually broken her promise to Ontarians to not raise gas taxes. And uh, as I mentioned before, gas under the Liberal cap-and-trade scheme is going to go up at least $400 a year. And uh, it, it's not acceptable. In terms of uh, where and why they're doing this, I have to tell you, again, it's to fund their misspending ways. Uh, another issue that we have 
is that the manner in which they've set up this particular legislation totally removes accountability. And during his deputation, the financial accountability officer actually said that he is very concerned, increasingly concerned, with this government's lack of transparency. And after 172 passes, he reported that he would be unlikely unable to access any government documents that detail projects receiving money from the Liberals' cap-and-trade slush fund. It's just a travesty. The man so, ho- ho- hold on. I, I want to make sure I'm getting this right, because I'm listening and thinking I'm hearing one thing, okay, but then sorry. I think that can't be true. So it's you're true. saying they, they have this, they're going to build this slush fund, mm-hmm. but then the Financial Accountability Office won't be able to look into where that money is spent. That's exactly right. And uh, that it said his message was received loud and clear by us in opposition, but it fell on uh, people who the ears that were not listening on the government side of the table. And uh, I will repeat it myself. He testified to say he's becoming increasingly concerned with this government's lack of transparency, and he reported to us right in committee on Hansard that he will all be likely unable to access government documents that detail projects receiving money from the Liberals' cap-and-trade slush fund. And he went on to warn that the government will subject those reviews to cabinet confidentiality so that they can hide it, so hey. that information can be withdrawn from, withdrawn or withheld from the public. Uh, I don't know if you'll have the answer to this, and we're almost out of time, uh, Ms. Thompson, but I have to ask, who will set the actual price on carbon in this cap-and-trade system? Because in a parliamentary system, Anything that is a tax or resembles a tax, in my view, in the view of many lawyers and constitutional experts I've spoken to, they say that it can only be set by parliament. It can only go up or down based on the parliamentary legislature passing a vote, not even just a a, a regulation, but it has to be a vote. And, And we've already seen the liberals bypass that with the whole eco-fee, where it was third-party organizations illegally setting the eco-fees. What are they going to do on this? Will this be another arm's-length group that they can say, well, it's not our fault? You know what? Uh, Absolutely. They, they, They have become experts in setting themselves up to blame other people. And I can tell you one thing. This government will be moving forward with decisions that opposition be it the loyal opposition or the third party, will not be able to debate and uh, have an influence on because they're setting it all up to happen behind closed doors, and it's not fair to Ontario. All right, Ms. Thompson, thanks so much. Thank you for your time, Brian, and we look forward to speaking to you again. All right. Uh, Stick around. Not done yet. We'll take your calls on this later on about the whole cap-and-trade issue. You're listening to Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA.
this is a trip down Amnesia Lane for me. Um, and I don't know what to say is my favorite. I'd forgotten about Kiss, the cover of the great Tom Jones song. I'm a big Tom Jones fan, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, Nancy Slater from Music Director at Magic 100, yep. Afternoon Show host, joining me now in studio. Thanks for, uh, for sticking around a little bit, Nancy. Hey, no problem. I, I'm just, wow, 57 years old. I, I was standing uh, outside the Duffy trial with a bunch of the cameramen mm-hmm. today waiting for Duffy's lawyer to come out. And a few of them go, oh, that's, uh, that's just around the corner for me. <laughs> it's, it's not Social media just started blowing up, too, when this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and nowadays, you have to check first <laughs> and then double check. And well, triple in, in, check. In fact, one of the people I was there with at the Duffy trial is uh, David Aiken, uh, who is partly responsible for once um, putting out there that Gordon Lightfoot had died. And then oh. Gordon Lightfoot called into talk radio and oh. said, hi, Hi. It's, uh, it's Gordon. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful because nowadays people apparently take pleasure in death hoaxes. Mm-hmm. This one wasn't a hoax, sadly. And yeah, 57 not old. Mm-hmm. And I think it was extremely shocking to everybody because he wasn't suffering from a major illness or anything like that. He had an emergency landing with his plane last Friday, went into hospital, and his publicist said he was suffering from the flu. He was released and was fine. Okay. So do we know yet? I mean, is there speculation? No. Anything about uh, – obviously something – was wrong. Yeah. The um the only thing that I've seen so far that came out was that he was found unresponsive in his elevator at his Paisley Park studios. Um, but no cause of death has been released at this point. Okay. So was his body weak from the flu or was well, there some other illness that they weren't telling us about? We won't know for okay. a little bit yet. Uh I mean sad either way in a bad year for musicians, let me tell you. Bowie. Yeah, I mean there's another I would compare Prince to Bowie in that they were both innovators. Absolutely. They, they jumped across genres. They influenced people that often you wouldn't suspect. Prince falls into that, that category, I'd say. Oh, for sure. You know, and look at his album, Purple Rain. When that album first came out, I think that was more looked at as a rock album and mm-hmm. was played on rock stations. Nowadays, it's more looked at as a pop album. But And I think... Prince was one of those artists that appealed to males and females. And that's why I think his Super Bowl performance was so success, so successful. Because every year there, there are people complaining about, why is this artist playing Super Bowl? But Prince, everybody was like, yeah, it's Prince. Because he just I mean, crossed over. He had that weird period where we couldn't call him Prince. We had to call him the symbol, symbol thing. Yeah. And he had slave in, shaved into his beard. But for the most of. For the mm-hmm. most part, you're right. And I saw Ben Mulrooney from uh, eTalk Daily. Uh, he tweeted out Prince's performance at the Super Bowl. Oh, he tweeted out the whole video and yeah. just said, you know, this is amazing. Truly was. It, we've had some shaky Super Bowl performances over the years, and that was not one of them. No, it, so. it was outstanding. And, the, and one of the clips that I saw earlier was one of the guys that was involved in producing the show. And they talked to Prince and they said, hey, it, it's raining are you okay with that? And he mm-hmm. said, can you make it rain harder? You know, so. <laughs> the, what What for you then would be um, the quintessential Prince song? What What, what are you going to sit there and say? Song? Yeah. Uh, pick a song, pick two or three. I, for, for sentimental reasons, it would probably have to be Purple Rain. 
that for me was my true, real introduction to Prince, even though 1999 was before that album. Um, that was a really big album to me. It's, uh, it's an album that has never fallen off my Desert Island album list. So do people still make those. I mean, I, I, I have do. Them. I do. Absolutely. And there are some albums that have rotated on and off of it, but Purple Rain has never, ever gone anywhere. So I think probably for sentimental reasons, that particular song, but I love Kiss. Mm-hmm. Kiss is so, so good. And Darling Nikki, I have, uh, which is off of Purple Rain. So not great. Raspberry Beret or Little Red Corvette or anything No, like no, that. those are great. Those are great, but not my go-tos. Okay. Uh, how do you think Prince will be remembered for the music? Uh, will it be in Canada, just the media constantly reporting today? that Hey, did you know he once had an apartment in Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is it, uh, you know, we constantly look for the Canadian connection right away? What's I don't he going think to be we need a, I don't think we need a Canadian uh, connection You know what I loved Prince. about him is that, you know, forget about whether he lived in Canada and, and for a bit and all that. He's from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The guy could have lived anywhere. He went home to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. And what I also loved about him, too, how much do you know about his personal life? Other Zero. than the fact that he lived in Toronto for uh, a little we bit. Can, we can, <laughs> uh, if you want to Google them, you can look up the names of the two women he was married to. Yeah. And, but this mm, is a guy that when he performed was larger than life, but was very private about but his personal apparently life. Apparently in the middle of writing his memoirs, though. I think he was working on them. Hopefully those will end up seeing... The light of day, because I would love to, you know, you'd, li- get you'd his like own to words. know a little bit more yeah. about him. Right. Yeah. You know, the movie Purple Rain was loosely based on his growing up. Right. Artistic license taken there. There's yeah. only so much that you can kind of glean from it. But I, I was reading a, a fun story today. Uh, he'd rented a uh, uh, a house off of an, an NBA player booze and then just went in and, and changed everything without telling the guy. And, and the guy got really mad and, was, you know, I'm going to go down there and take care of this little man is what I thought. And then he gave him a check for a million dollars and said that should put everything back the way it was. And he thought, all right, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so that should paint for pay for covering the purple paint. You know? <laughs> he, well, he, he dyed water in the place, purple. Yeah. Uh, he changed absolutely everything. Uh, let's go out with uh, with a montage uh, of of music and interviews uh, of, from Prince over the years. Uh, Nancy, thanks for joining me. Nancy Slater, Thank you. music director and uh, afternoon show host over at Magic One Hundred. Prince dead at the age of fifty seven. This is certainly the sort of news that you don't want to believe is true. Beloved pop star Prince has died at the age of fifty seven. When did you decide? music would be a career. I learned early on this was what I wanted to do, maybe about 12 years old. I knew that this is what I'd want to do the rest of my life. I think um, from the beginning, uh, as I was coming into my own uh, persona and understanding of who I was, I never talked down to my audience. I give them uh, a lot of credit to be able to hang with me this long because I've gone through a lot of changes. But they've allowed me to grow, and thus um, we can tackle some serious subjects and uh, try to just be better human beings.
You're listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five or star five eighty on Bell Mobility. Do you have thoughts on anything we've been talking about a lot on Duffy tonight? Now I don't know if you heard about the trial of the man. He, he's up for the murders of two women, two prostitutes, at the Ottawa courthouse. Does that get as much coverage as Mike Duffy? Mm, not really. Not really at all. Do you even know the name of the man on trial? His name, by the way, is Mark Leduc. Now, I will still go by the innocent until proven guilty mantra that I was preaching about Mike Duffy. But there will be nowhere near the coverage of a man accused of killing two women as there is about a senator and $90,000. By the way, there won't be as much coverage of Mac Harb and, what is it, more than $200,000 as there was about the conservative senator, because Mac Harb's a liberal. There won't be nearly the coverage of Mac Harb's trial as there was of Mike Duffy. It's not like Mac Harb is a stranger to the Ottawa press gallery. Most of them live in Ottawa. He was an Ottawa city councillor. Then he was the MP for Ottawa Centre. Then he was a senator. And then he retired just before he was facing charges, got to keep his pension. Hmm. Duffy hadn't been in long enough to pull that move. But he's acquitted today. Mark LeDuc. Are you going to hear as much about him? What about the trial in the Tim Bosma? Tim Bosma, Hamilton man, trying to sell his truck, ended up being killed. His trial's on right now. Girlfriend of the accused testifying today. Are you going to hear as much about that? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Want to ask you if you have thoughts on Kathleen Wynne. Her signature piece of legislation is cap and trade. You heard my interview with Lisa Thompson, and I made no bones about it, and Lisa sat there quietly as I talked about the fact that, look, I do not believe that we need to have cap-and-trade in this province. Ontario is already below the Kyoto commitment that was made back in the 90s. We don't even have to do anything to meet Kyoto commitments. But, hey, Wynn wants to go further. All right. So she brings in a cap-and-trade bill. This is her signature piece of legislation. As you heard me say, I have been covering politics a long time long time. I have never witnessed a government bring in a piece of legislation, then bring in 70 amendments, and then try and use time allocation, which means shutting down debate on a bill. They want you to vote on it right now. They've just amended it 70 freaking times. How do you even know what the bill's about anymore? Oh, well, it's just technical amendments. Well, slow down. Make sure you get it right. Some people think that parliament or provincial legislatures is just about question period because that's what you see. You see the debate in the legislature over question period. You see people yelling at each other. But the hard work gets done at committees. 
And at committees, MPs are supposed to go in, and yes, they're still wearing their partisan hats, but they know that if there's a majority government, the bill that the government puts forward is going to be passed. And so the the job of an opposition MP isn't just to stop it. It's to try and say, can we make it better? Can we find problems in the bill and fix it before we end up with a bad law? That's what the opposition is supposed to do. But Kathleen Wynne brings in a piece of legislation, then table 70 amendments, then says, stop debating it. You're going to stop us from being able to do what we want to do. Glenn Murray, the environment minister, complaining about democracy. What? This is madness. 521-TALK, 521-8255, if you have any thoughts on that, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. And if you have thoughts on Prince, we've just lost another musical legend. To me, it's the soundtrack of high school dances. Purple Rain, Raspberry Beret, Little Red Corvette. Um, nothing compares to you. Uh, Maddie Kay from TSN reminded me of that one. Like the live version of that is amazing. His cover of Tom Jones' uh, classic Kiss. Amazing. I mentioned it with Nancy Slater from Magic 100. We've lost both Bowie and Prince in the same year. And their musical styles may be different in some ways, but yet they are both musical innovators. They are both chameleons who influenced other musicians going forward. Do you have thoughts on Prince? Do you have a favorite Prince song? Do you want to mention that? 521-TALK, 521-8255. And finally, I will throw out there again, Stuntman Stu. They found a bone bone marrow donor for him. What about you? You have to be a certain age to be a bone marrow donor. But are you an, an organ donor? Are you willing to help those if, heaven forbid, something happens to you? Are you willing to help? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. But the big story today, of course, is the Mike Duffy trial. He walked away on all charges, all 31 counts, not a single guilty verdict. Is that justice denied? Or is that justice? I'm being blasted already. I'm having people say, you're, you're being too soft on, on Duffy. He's guilty. Well, guilty of what? Because the judge said no. And I, I often pick apart rulings of justices. I pick apart rulings of the Supreme Court, and I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. But in this case, the Crown did not present the evidence to meet the standard of innocent until proven guilty, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the standard. And I don't care how many tweets Andrew Coyne puts out there. I don't care how many media party folks just sit there and talk about, I can't believe this. Oh, this is awful. You're not, you're not judge. You're not jury. And you're not a lawyer. And chances are you didn't bother to look up the rules of the Senate before you found the man guilty. 521 Talk, 521 8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Your calls, 
your emails right after this. the news with brian Lilly. join the resistance on facebook and twitter at cfra ottawa jim writes in about uh, the duffy trial he says the duffy affair reminds me of that scene from casablanca where the inspector says i'm shocked there's gambling going on here caroline writes in brian this trial was about making stephen harper look bad of course the judge was a left-wing crackpot what he found him not guilty what are you talking about it's disgusting what goes on in this country. No justice in this country in any way. Left-wing loonies. Duffy was greedy, totally greedy. I used to like him. I have no respect for Duffy now. I'm a little confused, Caroline. So maybe you want to call in if he was – if it's about the left attacking Stephen Harper, why did the judge let him go? I don't understand. Um and then, uh, let's see, Jay Brodeur writes in, somewhere, Bob Fife is crying. What are your thoughts? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Micheline, you are on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm good. What are your thoughts on the Duffy trial? I love the poorly educated people, because <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> the elites, the lobbyists. The, you know, the, the members of parliament, what have you, they have not brainwashed me. And you know what? For CTV, justice has have been served today. And uh, to me, uh, um, I was one, I had no, anyway, I won't make it, I won't say anything. But uh, to me, for, for CTV, Bell, CBC, Fife, Laflamme, Martin, Oliver, Don Martin, Oliver, the peanut, they all have eggs on their faces today, and they have nothing to talk about tomorrow. Instead of talking about Trudeau with regards to his uh, New York uh, stance in... Uh, well, but he's boxing in uh, New York. He's showing he's tough. Well, well, that's just it. They, to me, I, that's why I say, Brian, I love the poorly educated. And to all of you people who are poorly educated like myself... Thank God to you, uh, to you, uh, Brian, and to uh, <laughs> Stein, uh, and and to uh, and to Ezra, because you guys keep me on the ball, and well, I know exactly what's going on. Hey. And when I hear something on the radio, I shut it off because I say <laughs> I know don't, exactly. It's all bull. Don't call. Do not call Ezra poorly educated. He's a lawyer. Now Stein and myself. That's another matter. I think Mark Mark Stein, I, I believe, may be a high school dropout. I gra- no, no, but you know I, what? I not only graduated you know high school, I went to college as far as university. I, yeah. I employ people that go to university. Brian. I, I didn't go to university, Michelin. I just hire the people that went Brian, there to work for me. Brian, can I still say something? Absolutely. Okay, because I thought that you were condescending me when you were saying that, but to me, poorly educated means that uh, you're, you're, you're the best, you're, you're you're not you're, you're not seeking the lobbyists. You're not you're not poorly educated. I mean that you're, you're not uh, um, sucked in by by because you know better than they do than they are. You know, in in their mind, in my mind. You know, for the most part, Michelin, I am a self-educated man. Well, 
that's that's what I mean about poor, I, I poorly read. educated means that you, you read, you don't have to go to university and hear all day long about the liberal professors and what have you. You uh, can make up your own mind. That's why I that's why I started to go to university. I tried and it drove me insane. I actually quit because it drove me insane listening to the, the, the pablum that was coming out from professors. And if you tried to discuss, because, you know, I'd been told by my teachers, well, university is about ideas and you get to discuss. And so I try and then the professors don't like it. And the rest of the students were just sheep. It was horrible. Horrible. So I stopped going, and now I just hire people to go to university. So I love you, Brian, because you're poorly educated (laughs) like everybody else that thinks uh, good things in life, you know? All right. And they don't, uh, the the bias, the the media, they're full of it, and you can tell and smell them a half half mile away. (laughs) Thanks for the call, Michelin. Thanks, Brian. You want to get in on the conversation? It's 521-TALK, 521-8255-STAR-580 on Bell Mobility. Gloria in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. I am just furious over this. You know what? This whole Ontario Liberal government, they're becoming more like a a dictatorship uh, here with every day that passes. Oh, Gloria, don't say that. They just want to pass their bill without debate. What's wrong with that? It's a dictatorship. We're supposed to be in a democracy. And I have yet to hear one liberal politician uh, quote any carbon numbers uh, uh, and so that we know what, what they're dealing with and what they're trying to push on us. And first of all, like you said, they draw up this, this uh, carbon uh, t- trade tax with, with these 70 amendments and and to me they're they're trying to to me they're trying to exclude any input from the opposition parties and then they're hiding uh pieces of legislation so nobody nobody can scrutinize uh, these liberals on what they're going to be doing with the money and where where it's going i mean this is totally undemocratic and 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 they're making themselves unaccountable for their actions there's got to be some legal way the opposition can stop Wynne and her henchmen from having well, the authority to run this province like a dictatorship. You know, some, sometimes <laughs> people have re- uh, referred to, and, and I love the passion, Gloria. I really oh. do. You're passionate tonight. Uh, if you've got passion like uh, Gloria, it's 5-to-1-talk if you want it's to join the conversation. So... But people have referred to majority governments as benign dictatorships. In in this case, there's nothing benign about it. No, because it's... she has tabled this bill. It is a bill that um, both opposition parties dislike for different reasons. Then they take seven, seventy care. seventy amendments. Yes, and then when they say, "Hold on a minute, we need to study this," she said, "Oh, you don't need to study it; just pass it." Well, there you go. What you see. That is, that is, to me, it's, it's actually, I mean, I, I would like to think that there's a little bit of democracy left in, in, in if, this, this province, but it's getting, if uh, it's anyone, If anyone can find me a government bill that has had 70 amendments brought in by the government. With no input please from call anybody me. else. Please call me because I can't think of one. Well, <laughs> this is insane. Brian, do, is there no legal uh, uh, 
option that that, that this can be looked into something have have, have the, i mean the, i was thinking of the uh the the uh, governor general uh, coming in or something this has to be stopped because we are just well, going we are used as her revenue tools and it's just <laughs> enough enough and, is enough and that's what lisa thompson said this is all about it's about revenue gloria thanks well, for the call tonight thank you i i gotta say this is that uh, there is an attempt to stop the bill from just being shoved through and it's being called filibustering as if that's a bad word Filibustering is a legislative tool, and it can be used for good or for bad. It depends. Often it depends on your point of view. But the fact is, it is a legislative tool that is built into our system. But because the NDP and the conservatives at Queen's Park want to stop the bill from going through so quickly, they're being denounced. Well, why are you filibustering a bill on climate change? This is about climate change. Don't you understand? The prime minister's boxing in New York today so he can fa- sign a, a, a deal tomorrow. Why, why are you trying to stop this? We'll have more of your thoughts, more of your calls, and maybe some more voices from me. Maybe I'll imitate Irish Tom who's waiting on the line. I'm b This is Beyond the News. News Talk 580 CFRA. On the news with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. to Tom Jones covering print. I love this audience. Correcting me when I make a mistake. Doing it so nicely. Calling in to say, um, Bilo, you got it wrong. Prince wasn't covering Tom Jones. Tom Jones was covering Prince. My bad. Prince, of course, dead today at the age of 57. A shocker. Such an amazing musician. Tom Jones still alive and kicking at age 75. Uh, we're going to get to your calls very quickly, but on CNN moments ago, Anderson Cooper talking to people having a block party outside of their house over the passing of Prince. It wasn't just anybody having a block party. It was um, this movie director. Maybe you've heard of him, Spike Lee. Here's a little bit of that. Uh, when he got in the groove, he played four hours straight. That was that was light stuff. And how long did you know him for? I mean, what was, what was he like as you know one on one? Well, well, I mean, we all grew up together. I'm one year older than, than Michael and Prince, so we all grew up together. And you know, when everybody, I was the last one to hit it, but you know, I got to meet them all. 
and I got to work. I got to work with him too. So it's a great honor. What was he like to work with? Because we talked to Jimmy Jam tonight. We talked to Stevie Wonder. We talked to George Clinton. I mean, he was in command of that I, stage I, when he was I, on I, that I, stage. Yeah, I was just oh, I had the pleasure of doing a, a music video for him for the film called Money Don't Matter Tonight. Called me up out of the blue and said, Spike, I want to direct this video. I said, okay. And we did it. But I saw him like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, he had a party for the cast of Hamilton. And he performed and he was in great form, great shape, and so he looked fine to me. And now he's gone. Uh, you know, I didn't realize that. Spike Lee, he's born March 20th, 1957. He's 59 years old. Prince was born June 7th, 1958. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, he kept going back there. And uh, Michael Jackson was born August 29th, 58. So just a couple months after, well, hold on, two months after Prince, uh, both of them from the Midwest, Spike Lee from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, wow, what careers. And unfortunately, uh, I, would, I don't want to get into Michael Jackson, but it, Prince, it, his life cut too short. Let's go to your phone calls. If you have thoughts on on Prince on music, you know me. I'm always willing to talk about music, willing to talk about pop culture and entertainment. But if you want to call in about the Duffy trial, happy to take those calls as well. 521-TALK, 521-8255 if you want to get on the line. Guy, into being the Capital Voice, you are on the air. Hi, good evening, Bill. You uh, ginger snap of incorrectness. Oh, don't call me a ginger. A ginger snap. Okay, I just want to let people know Ginger Snap is the official um, Instagram and I believe Twitter handle of Justin Trudeau's official photographer, whose name is Adam Scotty. Nice guy, uh, but I, I am not the Ginger Snap. That would be Adam Scotty. I used oh, to have a, I did used to have a ginger beard like him, but uh, th- then I got on on the TV thing. Well, I must say, I just got to tell you a little story before I get into my two cents on Duffy. I've only been on hold 49 minutes tonight, Brian, so I, I just want to say you know, you, you're, you're lucky I love you. You're lucky you, you, love your you. timekeeping skills, Guy, horrible. You're like well, my children. Your timekeeping okay. skills are horrible. Well, let's, let's segue to that. At 419 today, Bob Fife was clipped by Alvin Solomon, and I asked one of your producers if by chance you could play the 45 seconds or a minute clip between 417, 419 today. But we'll get into that later. Let's well, about, uh, yeah, I haven't Chris, listened to it yet. Things. If people want to, to listen to it, it is on the podcast. You know we'll see, we'll see if we can find it. I don't know what Bob said or didn't say. He's a class act because you know what? Bob Fife humbled himself tonight and apologized to Mike Duffy on air without saying it. And I think he felt a bit remiss to what everything that would happen, but um, that was a classic clip, those two minutes between 4.17 and 4.19. You asked about time. You're right. My memory is a bit weird that way. <laughs> but um, you, you know when Bob was talking. Okay, we'll check that out. Okay. With regard- but, but, but quickly, your thoughts on the Duffy trial. Do you, are, are you among the many that are emailing me and saying uh, this is good, or are you among the other many who are saying this is a bad thing? All I'm going to say is listening to it on CFRA since February 13th, 2014, when the whole thing broke on the 90,000. Brian, the core of the issue is the Senate rules 
And when you design loose rules by lawyers, you're going to get loose play. And I think Mike's comment on the kids in short pants at the PMO is absolutely correct because you've got a seasoned professional who's been 30 years in the business. And your little monologue last night about when Mike called out to you, I thought was very poignant. So with that saying, Mike knows the small guy and he respects the small guy and he doesn't, he listens to everybody, but he knew what was happening. And I think Viancor nailed it a hundred percent. And I think the crown did go well into their way with their tail between their legs, because in fact, it's the rules. And Mike was just, Mike was just the scapegoat and he was the target man. And unfortunately, Bob Fife was the guy who found out about the $90,000 check ran with it. And um, obviously, I have a lot of respect for Bob Fife, though, after what he said today on Evelyn. Uh, you know, I hope I, that, I, I'm going to have to listen to that. I, I didn't hear it. I was down at the courthouse at about that time. You know what? The whole thing is that feeding frenzy that went on really bothered me, especially with one of their own. And that's going on a lot mm-hmm. with, uh, within PC parties I, uh, among us, too. And, and I think that's part of what drove it with Mike was I think there was some settling scores. You want to say something quick about Prince before I move on? Well, my little story is I heard about it in Rob Snow this afternoon. I pulled over and I had a little cry. And I think that Nancy Slater said it, said it best that, um, you know, we lost a great one today. Purple Rain was definitely his, his best best work and uh if you ever get a chance to listen to while my guitar gently sleeps best guitar solo ever when prince was on stage with uh george harrison uh oh geez a whole bunch of people uh tom uh wait a whole bunch of people it's probably one of the best guitar solos you've ever seen The, the man was just in himself a unique incredible incredible force that uh, yeah, I, I, I do I do, so, do compare them so, to Bowie in the fact yes. that they were just so different so unique yes. and influencers so yeah they All didn't right. they didn't follow anybody Brian and that's I think the way that why we follow you because you know we've we're not sheep all right thanks for the call guy let's go to uh, Irish Tom calling in in Ottawa Center hello Brian how are you feeling about the Duffy I'm trial? You happy? Lousy. You angry or what? I feel lousy. I think that's a farce. It's a farce, that show. 31, Why is that a farce there, Tom? charges and not one of them. He's, he's, he's innocent on all of them. If I had 10 charges before me, I'd be in jail. That bad, that Polony man. That guy there. Do you know what he done, Duffy? He used to charge people for his meals that he was having at home. He charged the taxpayers hold, hold, for hold meals on. he was having at home. He's the, a scumbag. Tom, Tom hold He's on. He's a scumbag, Tom, Brian. Hold on, Tom. Like okay, hold on, Tom. I put you on hold. I'm always happy to have yelling Irish Tom, but I need to ask you a question. So I'm going to bring you back on, and I want you to answer my question. All right, are you there, Tom? Name me the out of the thirty-one charges. Which one was he charged for? Fraud. Charging taxpayers for having a meal at home. Yeah, he, he, can you imagine that guy? He didn't do. He never. Minister, he never minister, did that. If the prime minister appointed me as a senator, I go on my knees and I thank him. I just like going to heaven to be appointed to the senate. It's a fast that office. It's a house of patronage, and it's awful. Well, it's, and, it's, and, it's, 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 it's a disgrace. This. Well. 
whether it's patronage fraud, or not. Fraud. He was up for fraud. He was, uh, he was up for all sorts of charges, for God's sake. 31 to say, do you know the lieutenant governor of Quebec? She got 18 months. But the same thing. So, so Tom, you, 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 do it. Tom, you don't prefer the uh, the court of law. You prefer the the old Irish way of the lynch mob because the lynch oh, mob. Come on, the right. li- hold come on, no, hold on, on. The lynch right. mob. Don't give me that crap. Don't no. give me that crap. The you lynch mob. With that stuff. Don't, don't, just, look, do, do you know that? Do you know that the law will happen today? Do that's you know the law? Do you know the last name Lynch no, is an Irish name? Don't give me that crap. For God's sake, you're full of crap. I could, All right. Well, the, Lynch is a, like Lynch is a good. Sake. I've been around this world lo- longer before you ever had. I've been around the world as well. Well, well I'm telling you one thing. That's crap. What you just said to me. Well, you're you're asking for him to to be convicted when a court of law didn't. He should be convicted and, on some of them, not okay. all of them. Tom, I, I I let you speak, Tom. I let you speak, and all I ask is that I get to speak back. Lynch is a good Irish name. And the term lynch mob comes from Ireland when they wouldn't wait for the courts and they'd go in and they'd string someone up on a tree and they'd hang them. And that's essentially what you're asking for, isn't it, Tom? Look, I'm going to tell you something. This man should have been charged on some of them. But the judge said the Crown didn't present evidence. Do you think he should have been charged on some of them? The crown, the, the judge said the Crown did not present the evidence. You're on his side. And you're I, buttering him up. I, I, and that I, damn, and look, that damn senator, not only him, not only Duffy, that guy was made a senator. He should be tanked. He should have tanked the, the, the prime minister. And you know, he's talking about the prime minister and running down the prime The guy made him a senator. He, it's like going to heaven when, when you're, you're appointed a senator. It's like going to heaven, for, God, for God's sakes. And you're uh, still on the payroll. What We were up in 31 charges with the company you're working with. He has not. He has not been on the payroll while he's been on trial. Oh yes, he has. No, he hasn't. Tom, they cut off his pay. Thanks for the call. That try and pay attention next time. Uh, We'll take a quick break. Then we'll come back with uh, with Wayne in Nepean and Frank in Greeley and uh, in, in Dave in Ottawa. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. You know, some days I do feel like the leader of the unofficial opposition, especially when the conservatives catch a minister lying and then don't uh, don't even bring it up. Maybe I'll get to that again tomorrow because the conservatives punted again today. Those weak ass conservatives. Punted again today. Maybe I just said a word and I shouldn't have on radio. I'm sorry. I'm worked up over this. Really, I should just be talking about Duffy trial and Prince. Um, you know, Prince, an amazing artist. I compared him to Bowie, which is of past generations. If I was to compare him to somebody now, believe it or not, I was listening to Justin Bieber on the radio on the drive home last night. Justin Bieber's new music, so different from what he had out before. The musicality of this young guy, fantastic. He could grow into the next type of prince with the way he is changing his sound and the way that I think he will change his sound going forward. We'll see. 
Let's go to Wayne in Nepean. You're on Beyond the News, sir. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm perfectly adequate tonight. I'm sure that uh, my comment is uh, on, uh, 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 you know, Duffy, Mike Duffy. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, my uh, prediction was, uh, you know, settled. You, you because, thought he uh, would get off on all charges? Yes, because it was a scapegoat for uh, election purposes. And, uh, and this was a huge went, story during the election and in the lead-up, wasn't it, when? Uh, it was a take on by, uh, you know, liberals to, you know, uh, you know, uh, hand-tied uh, the conservatives. And from the get-go, uh, it's not something new. They always try to find something, a loophole, to uh, tighten up uh, conservative, uh, you know, uh, li- li- uh, conservative uh, uh, lead hand. And the problem was Mike Duffy didn't have uh, a quite uh, great uh, representation in terms of uh, law and uh, lawyer. Well, he had a great lawyer in court, I'll tell you that. But they didn't mention a lot of stuff in the beginning. That's the problem. Well, uh, yeah, you, but, but that, that was before they got to the court case. And a lawyer has to wait until it's in court. It reminds me, uh, Brian, of uh, the you know the case against uh, robocalls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Sona. Yep. If if you recall that. It, well, I'm the one that broke Michael Sona's name. Michael Sona now should be vindicated because of uh, you know Mike Duffy's uh, victory. I I don't know that I would say that he Michael Sona was found guilty in court. There was no evidence. Well, he was found guilty by a judge, he and and he, he hasn't won on appeal, so I, w- I would have to disagree with you on that. All right. Uh, okay, Brian. I agree with you on that. Anyway, but, but, uh, but Duffy, you're happy with the verdict today? Oh, I'm quite surprised uh, about uh, the media uh, not reacting to that. The media is so silent, and I was laughing in my heart. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the media. Media is so silent. Well, I uh, considering uh, the the buzz going on, you know, during the election time. Well, I, uh, I guess they're paying attention to Trudeau uh, boxing. <laughs> I, I got to leave it there and get to two more calls before the end of the show. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Dave in Ottawa. You're calling in about Kathleen Wynne. Yeah, yeah, I definitely am. Uh, we should take a page out of Trudeau's book. Uh, why? Um, that scares me. Why? Okay. What he's doing is he is undoing everything conservative, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there's much more good than any of the others. And he's undoing it simply because the conservatives did it. If we can't stop Wynne in her tracks now, then as soon as we get back in power, hopefully the sooner the better, go back and not throw it out. If something was done good on the rare, rare chance that something was done good then let it stand. But the rest of it just say, this is crap, let's get rid of it, let's overturn it, let's stop it, and let's let's, let's take care of business properly. And uh, that's the only page I would take out of a Trudeau book. I, I'm glad you're saying that, uh, Dave, and, and I've been saying that these guys are showing how conservatives should act the next time. That's go in, act quickly, act fast, and then write it out for four years. I've only got a second left. We yep. had a triple stabbing. Uh, fortunately, nobody killed last night. 
Uh, if it had been a gun involved, we'd be hearing all the, the, the racket all over again about guns. Uh, I was listening, and I, I heard that uh, there was an attempted murder in Orleans last night. Uh, a man attacked his wife with a razor, and the police said it was a good thing it wasn't plugged in. Oh, but I'm pumped. We'll leave it there. <laughs> Thanks night. for the call, Dave. All right, last word goes to uh, Frank calling in from Greeley about uh, Prince. Oh, we love Irish Tom. Oh, man, you know that. He's angry at me tonight. Stuff like that, eh? New good old Irish town to Greeley. Yeah, well, uh, you know. Uh, what's your best Prince song? That's what you called in about. What, what, what What's your favorite? Well, I figure it uh, would have been, uh, you know, uh, Purple Rain. Yeah. One of uh, my best favorites. Not Eddie Van Halen, though, but, <laughs> but as, it, as close as pur- you can get. Purple Rain is, is pretty much a rock song. It really I is. I mean, song, you, you yeah. could imagine Van Halen covering that. No problem, couldn't you? Well, you know what? And good on Duffy. At least he bailed out it. He got off on all 31 hey, charges. Right, he, man, he, uh, he did better than I thought he would. Uh, that's what I figured. He's going to get out of that mess. Eh? <laughs> In any case, uh, purple rain, purple rain. All right. Thanks for the call, Frank. <laughs> Later. All right. I'm Brian Lilly. This has been Beyond the News. Uh, thanks for all your calls tonight. Thanks for all your emails. I think I got to all the emails. Um, uh, well, Robert writing in. Uh, Robert, who said he'd leave the the city if he didn't win for mayor saying that uh, Irish Tom is an old curmudgeon that uh, doesn't like the Duffinator. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, I'm going to head out. I'm going to listen to some prints on the way out of here. I hope you enjoy it, too. Whether you're a fan or not, enjoy the the mastery of this musician. I'm Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, back tomorrow night. Remember, I'm on your side.